This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. So doing a series, Dreaming with God, I want to ask this question. When you think about dreaming with God, you, you think it's like you and Jesus, right? It's you and God, the two of you, just the two of you. So you have your dreams, you're dreaming with God, and you're going to fulfill your dreams, just the two of you. Do you think that's going to work? <laughs> just the two of you. No, no, it's not. But if you look at many believers um, and the way they live, you would think that we believe doing it on our own is going is, is gonna to work, and it's not. So I want to I share with you this morning basically about finding your people. I want to share a few stories as well, and I'm, I especially want to speak to our hearts this morning. I believe God wants to heal us on the inside when it comes to our, our relationships. Okay, let me just pray for us, and I'm going to share. Father, thank you, Lord, that your word is alive and powerful. Thank you, Lord God, that we cannot hear your word and not be changed. God, we cannot receive your word and not be changed. So, Father, we ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would come and release life and truth and liberty into each and every life here this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen. Come on, let's say it. I can't can't stay the same when I receive the Word of God. Amen. You can't. I want to stir your faith. I've seen it over the last few weeks just again that where there is faith, all things are possible. Where faith is present, come on, let's say it. Where faith is present, all things are possible. So you need to stir your faith. You need to have an expectation. You need to say, God, I'm here to be changed. I'm here to receive your word, to be impacted by your love. Amen. So uh, there's a, uh, Chris Vallotton, he's uh, one of the two senior leaders at uh, Bethel Church in Redding, California. And he wrote a book about destiny. And in the book, he basically is one of his main truths that he reveals. And it's this. If you want to find your destiny, you need to find your people. When you find your people, you will find your destiny. Your destiny is connected to your people. And 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 I've been meditating on that, thinking about that, praying about that, and I realized that is so true. You, You need to find your people if you want to fulfill your destiny. So Chris shares the story. So, um, when he was a young man, uh, Bill Johnson became the, the senior leader of a church in Weaverville in California. Small town, small church. And he says that uh, Bill Johnson looked like a yuppie, long hair, yuppie surfer guy. And they, and, 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 but he blew, he blew them away with the way he just opened the word of God. But, but this relationship between Chris and, and Bill started... And it was say for 15 plus years they were together in this church. And then Bill Johnson was moved to the church in Redding, California, uh, called Bethel, which was Bill Johnson's father's church. So they, he's like a fourth generation pastor, a long legacy of, of, of men faithful to God. So he goes to Bethel Church and he starts to lead the church there. And 
And Chris Valentin was still in Weaverville. And he had four or five businesses, and they were planted in the church, and they upon leadership, and they really needed them to be there. But the one time, he says, they, they both, Bill and Chris, were invited to go speak at a YWAM conference or a week, like a camp thing, but they were doing training at a YWAM, youth, youth with a mission, uh, a ministry. And so they were sleeping in the same dorm or the same bedroom. And then Chris says, every night... For five nights, there were five nights together. He says every night when he went to the bathroom, he would walk past Bill, Bill's bed, and then he would hear Bill Johnson speaking in his sleep. Every night for five nights, it says every night he would hear Bill confessing his love for Jesus Christ, saying, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I want more of you. God, I, it's just that he was just confessing, but he was sleeping. So for five nights, so Chris says this wrecks him because he's like, who does that? <laughs> you know, so he, he says after the fifth night, he was like, he's, his heart was drawn to this man and, and what this man was carrying, his love for God. And so he was still in Weaverville, but he was, he was like, man, I need to, I told his wife when he went home, I need to be with Bill. I need to be with Bill. And a few months later, um, Bill Johnson approaches Chris and says, wouldn't you come, why, why, why don't you come to Reading and you come and head up the School of the Supernatural Ministry? And Chris was like, yes. So, so he goes there, they leave all their businesses, a lot of sacrifices, move to Reading. And then for three years, Chris felt very, very unhappy. He said, Ian, Ian Bill's, they 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 way of doing things was very different. He was the boss of his own companies, you know, his own businesses. He did things his way, and so he was very unhappy. He, was, he wasn't working. He was, he was uncomfortable or, 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 or restless it's for about three years. And he says, at the end of those uh, three-year period, there came an opportunity to possibly go pastor another church. And he, he heard that they were going to ask him, and it was a, a great church, and, and he was thinking, yeah, it's probably better. I, I probably need to go. And in that time, he had this amazing God encounter where, where God spoke to him, and he saw a vision of the church, of the guys who were going to ask him. And God showed him this church, and the church was packed out with people, him being the pastor, the leader. Church packed out, speakers outside, probably another thousand people outside of the church venue. And God says to him, this is what you could have if you take the job. And then he says, or you could have this. And God showed him the globe. He showed him the planet. So you could impact this. And if you choose that, God said to him, only I will know that you failed. Only I will know. It would look successful to people, but I will know that you failed. Yeah, so that just rocked his, his world. And then he humbled himself, and he basically went to Bill and said, man, I'm gonna, I feel God wants me to serve you for life. And he says, suddenly everything shifted on the inside of him. He found peace. He found joy. And that church is impacting the world. But it would not have if it wasn't for Bill and Chris and the rest you see, there are no self-made men or women on the planet. There are many who desire, who dream about impacting the world, but few do because we all want to do our own thing. We like to do our own thing and we miss our people. 
So I want to say to you, if you want to see your dreams fulfilled, if you want to see the kingdom of God come, you need to find your people. You need to find the people with whom God has knitted your heart together, whether that's in your business or, or, or in your organization or whether it is the church. You need to find your people if you're going to see your destiny unlocked. And it takes humility. It takes dying to self. It takes sacrifice because it's easier to do your own thing. And there's a Chinese proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. <laughs> Amen. That is so true. You know, you, you, we, we can't do this on our own. And I, I, I realized we, we went to um, Stellenbosch and Somerset West a few weeks ago in a, a team of us. And uh, I was there down there again this week uh, for meetings. And uh, I spoke to Pastor Sias, who's the pastor show for Stellenbosch. And he was just giving me some feedback of what people were experiencing with the ministry. Now, to give you some context, this... Um, Around 14 years ago, I was in Cape Town, and I felt God say to me, there's an earthquake coming, a literal physical earthquake coming to Cape Town. I was wrong. I missed it 14 years ago, but God used it powerfully to teach me about humility and deception, and, and you need to listen to your wife. That's one of the big things I learned. All the ladies say amen. Yes. <laughs> so... I, I really believe about 14 years ago, it was like end of July-ish that I felt the earthquake's going to be. Anyway, so we were now in Stellenbosch, and, uh, and Pastor Sia says to me, he spoke to some of the students, and they, the one guy said to him about that ministry night that we were at the church, and the one guy said, it was like an earthquake that came through the town. <laughs> For me, that was just Jesus healing my heart from 14 years ago. <laughs> But, but I realized if it was just me and Jesus, it would have been a tremor of awesomeness, praise God. <laughs> but because it was a team, people experienced like an earthquake. They experienced incredible things happening, people being saved and delivered, physically healed. Wonderful things were happening. But I realized it was because I had a team, a group of people that could stand with me, that could pray with me. And... And, and I believe that's one of the keys. If you and I really want to make an impact on this world, if we want to see our dreams fulfilled, we need people. We need a team. So there's a guy um, called Chris Hodges. He says, a dream is a compelling vision you see in your heart that's too big to accomplish without the help of others. It's a dream that's too big. It's not a God dream if you can accomplish this on your own. It's not a God dream. That's just your dream. A God dream can only be accomplished with the right people around you. And I'm seeing this more and more. Even this week, you know, we had people just coming around me and Sonica. I was away and it was a challenging week. And, you know, the people with the Ignite Leaders Group, they were praying for us. And the elders were praying for us. And the guys came to our house to pray with Sonica. And it was just awesome to... To have incredible, faithful, loving, kind Jesus people around you. Amen. Together. Now, our, our mission is together living out the fullness of Christ. And I, I realize the focus is on together. Come on, say together. It's only together that you will fulfill your dreams. It's only together that we will fulfill our dreams. God, God-given dreams. 
Have you found your people? Do you have the right people around you? Are you isolated? Are you disconnected? Do you maybe come to this church every now and again, but your heart's not in it? You can be, you can be alone in a crowd if your heart's disconnected. Do you have your people? Do you have your team? Do you have the right team at work, in your organization, in your environment? Do you have the, the group of people around you with, with, with whom you can together change the environment? I felt the Lord gave me a word. In any, any environment that you are in, if you want to change that environment, find one or two other people who have faith. And you start opening the wells of the Lord's presence in that place. Just find one or two other people. And together start declaring and proclaiming and praying, and you're going to see things start to shift. Alone you will receive nothing. Alone you will achieve nothing. A dream, but no team, it is impossible to fulfill. A dream with a bad team is a nightmare. (laughs) Okay? So you need to get the right team, the right people. Do you know what I do? I surround myself with people who have faith. Life is too short. Don't do negativity. <laughs> I, just don't, I just don't gel with that. Let's do life. Let's do faith. When there's faith, the kingdom comes. So surround yourself with the right people in your work environment and every other environment. Okay, so we've been talking about Joseph. And uh, we on to sort of looking at every part of Joseph's life in the book of Genesis. And... And if you look at the, the, uh, Joseph's story, and I mean, he was a dreamer. He, he received a dream at the age of 17 of his family all bowing before him as if he is a king. Crazy dream at the age of 17. Now, I, I see this with many people. We, we, we lose our way on our journey of seeing our dreams fulfilled because we forget it's a journey. And we forget that the journey's got ups and downs, mountains and valleys. We forget. It's a journey. Come on, say it's a journey. So there are many people that start off on the journey and then they, they hit some challenges and then they give up and they give in and, and they walk away from, from their dreams. So, so, so we think, I'm in point A, God gives me a word and then boom, we're in straight line, point B. Uh, no. Doesn't work like it. Look at Joseph. Age of 17, he gets, receives a dream twice of his family, his 11 brothers, his mom, his dad, all bowing down before him as if he's a king. He has a dream at the age of 17. Now, for most 17-year-olds, you're probably thinking, well, by the age of 19, yes, finished, done deal. I have my word. And uh, No. Age of 17, he got the dream. He, he was his dad's favorite son. That was a high in his life. And then his brothers became envious and they rejected him and they threw him into the pit. Pit stands for preacher in training. You know that. Okay, ever been in a pit? You are being trained to reign. Training for reigning, people. Training for reigning. So he's in the pit they didn't kill him. They sell him into slavery. 
And, uh, and then he starts to serve faithfully and he's promoted and he is given authority over, over, over the uh, servant of the, of the Pharaoh's whole, all his property. And he's thinking, man, things are awesome. Things are so good. I, I'm a slave. Yes, I, uh, in the natural, don't have much of a future, but man, things are, are looking up. And then the, the wife of Potiphar is like really wanting to sleep with him and he's like diving and running and trying to avoid her, and then, but temptation comes, temptation comes, temptation comes, and then he's set up. What happens? He's thrown into jail. Hallelujah. Isn't this wonderful, this journey of seeing your dreams fulfilled? He's been serving faithfully. He's been honorable. He's been honoring God. He's been doing everything right from his side. And now what happens? He is in jail. Do you know what our response would be? No, man, this God thing doesn't work. <laughs> Crisis. It doesn't work. I've been faithful. I've been honorable. I've been serving my boss, my master faithfully, and this is how I get treated. I mean, that's the moment when you walk away from God and say, oh, stuff this nonsense. Doesn't work. Do you know how many people die there and lose their dreams right there because they become bitter and disillusioned? Because they didn't press on. They didn't keep going. So I want to say to you this morning, if you want to see your dreams fulfilled, you need to have your team, yes. You need to find your people to discover your dream, your destiny. But if you want to, when you find your people, you need to stay connected. So how do you do this? You need to do two areas of nurturing relationships, two areas where you need to focus on. It is upward and outward. Two areas. We've seen this in, the Joseph, in, in, in Joseph's life. Two areas that he clapped every time. His relationship with those above him, and he continued to serve others with the love of God. These two things. So you need to nurture these two relationships, upward and outward. So I want to quickly unpack those two for us. Okay, so let's look at upward. Genesis 39, verse 20. We, we're picking up the story as he's being put into jail. Then it says, then Joseph's master or boss, took him, put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the prison. Who did this to him? His boss. Someone in authority, someone a leader figure, somebody that he served faithfully, somebody that he gave his life to, who treated him in a wrong way, in an ungodly way. Because, I mean, he was, he was innocent, now, I, I can just think he was like in jail. I'll never serve like that again. I'll never trust somebody in authority again. Something shifts on the inside. It's like it's over. But somehow he didn't. Somehow he came through this next phase of the A to B that's like that. You know, it's not straight line. You know, what, what, do, what do you and I say when, when something like this happened? Imagine you put in jail and you are... Innocent. What are you going to say? What do we always say? Life isn't fair. Don't we? Life isn't fair. Can I say to you, I don't want life to be fair. It's stupid to have life being fair. Do you know why? Because if I 
get what I deserve, I'm going to hell. If I get what I deserve, all my sins, all my mistakes, everything I've done in life, if I get what I deserve, if life was fair, I would be on my way to hell right now. This is the best news ever. Life isn't fair. Come on, let's say life isn't fair. It's awesome. Why? Because God is on your side. It isn't fair. You have the almighty king of heaven and earth backing you up. And you get what Jesus deserves. Yee! Come on! So despite all your stuff-ups, all your sins, all your failures, all the, all, the, all the areas that you deserve punishment or justice or whatever it might be, you don't get it. You get what Jesus deserves. Because you are now a child of the king if you've committed your life to Christ. That is awesome news. I don't want life to be fair. (laughs) It's wonderful when God is with us, even as he was with Joseph. Joseph went to jail, but God, but God. It is the defining factor in life. No man, no woman, no child, no devil can keep your destiny from being fulfilled. Unless you get offended and bitter and negative and you walk away. So the good news is God is on your side. But we need to position ourselves right in terms of building relationship upward and outward. So, so if, you, if you look at the, the life of, of, of Joseph, in every season, he somehow had incredible favor with those in authority. Every time. He served faithfully, he received favor from God, and then he he was blessed with his relationship with somebody in authority, some leader, some boss, and those people opened doors for him time and time again. Joseph would not have become the second in command of Egypt if it wasn't for every time, even in the prison, the prison keeper master gave Joseph unlimited access to the whole prison and to do whatever he wants to do. And so he could connect with the other people that would open the door for him. So this relationship with authority is key. And that's also why when, when people, leaders, church leaders, bosses, parents, dad, mom, when they fail us, when they hurt us, when they wound us through their humanness, that, that is sometimes our, the end of our healthy hearts. And we say, never again. Never again, try church. And, uh, nah, hypocrites, all of them. No, you met three hypocrites that messed up your life. They were your ticket to glory. And now, instead of growing, you are offended. And you are painting everybody like all hypocrites. Church leaders, they all like this. Spoke to a guy uh, over the last few weeks, and he said to me, he's been in the church for the last year or so, and he says to me, he was on his way to giving up on church until he came here. And he says that we have helped him see how wonderful church is. That's awesome. That's, that's the real deal. But he, he shared with me, someone prophesied over him at some point, 
not in the church here, but somewhere else, maybe, I don't know. But someone prophesied of him that prophecy is like hearing a word from God and then speaking it to somebody. And the prophecy said to him, um, I see that God is calling you outside of the church. You are not called to be in the church, but rather outside of the church. And he was thinking, yeah, that's a cool word. And then he realized, no, that's not a word from God. And he rejected that word. Because how can God give you a prophetic word that's contrary to his word? The scriptures. That's deception. And you see, the enemy wants to play on our woundedness and our offenses to disconnect us from our people. Don't be disconnected. But how you relate to somebody in authority, in leadership, will determine ultimately if you connect with your community or not. When you disconnect from your boss, you probably disconnect from the organization. When you disconnect from church or from, from church leaders, you probably disconnect from the church community. So that is an area the enemy tries to come and uh, take us down. So look at this, Hebrews 12, verses 12 to 15, such a powerful uh, a scripture. And it says, therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. So it speaks about hanging down feeble knees, about weakness. It says, make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. What is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. What happens when when someone loses courage or they're not encouraged, they are discouraged. They they become like lame. It's, It's like an arm. Arm is not working anymore. And then it dislocates, ultimately it dislocates from the shoulder. This is basically what it's saying. Disconnects from the body. Disconnects from community because of the lameness, the discouragement. And it says there, what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. And I believe this morning God wants to come and heal some of our hearts. You're not even aware of some of the things you're carrying with you. And the Lord wants to come and heal you. Look at this, verse 14. It says, pursue peace with all people. You know, someone might not like you, but you can have peace with them. That means you have forgiven. You've let go. You have peace. You are a whole. So it says there, pursue peace with all people and holiness. Holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Without which no one will see the Lord. So it says two things. Pursue peace. Pursue holiness. So that what? So that you can see God. I've so many times experienced this. I'm in a meeting. Even church leaders. Like not not necessarily here, but other places as well. And it's like God's in the house. God is moving. Lives are being transformed. It is awesome beyond description. And you ask someone, say, "How, how was that? Meh. Yeah, boring. And I, and I realize the reason someone, they, they cannot see, they cannot see that God is there. In the next verse, says verse 14, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. It says no one will see the Lord. If you don't have peace, in other words, your, your heart's whole and holiness, you, you, you're pursuing God, you're walking on the straight and narrow, you, you're obeying God. It says you, you, otherwise you won't see God. So I, I, I see this over and over again. I am pleading with you. 
to be honest with yourself. To be honest with the state of your heart. Because I am seeing people disconnected at times. I am sitting with people and thinking, oh my goodness gracious, I'm, I'm seeing it in your eyes. You are disillusioned. You're negative. You are offended. You, you, your, heart, your heart is shattered. The windows of your soul, they are shattered. All you are seeing is cracks. You cannot see God because your heart has shut down. And each of us needs to take ownership of that internal health of our hearts. And then it says in verse 15, now this is the most important part of the verse of, this, of the passage. It says, looking carefully. Come on, say looking carefully. In other words, you're not going to see it. You're going to miss this. You're going to miss this. Looking carefully, taking a magnifying glass, bring it to your own heart and evaluate what's happening. Where am I at? Where am I at? Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. I mean, because of the, the woundedness of hearts, we disconnect from God, disconnect from community, and we fall short of the grace of God, the enablement from heaven, the empowerment from God. It's meh, boring, not really getting anything from this preacher these days anymore. It was good five years ago, but you know, it's not working for me anymore. If you're not getting, if you're getting less than five years ago, something's wrong, eh? Because we're going from glory to glory. <laughs> Amen. It says, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, and then lest any root of bitterness, come on, say bitterness, springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. You see, your life is like a, a well. And when your heart is in good space, it's living waters. It's like, yes, worship's wonderful. Word is changing my life. God is good. And then what is the enemy when you connect it? Because there's, there's living waters. You're connected with community. You're connected to God. Now the enemy guns for your heart. He wants to disconnect you. He wants to block that well. So he guns you. He, he causes miscommunication. He causes um, um, expectations to have been wrong, maybe. Uh, but somehow, you know, we, where there are people, it will be messy. Come on, let's say it. Where there are people, it will be messy. Okay, so that's the church. The church, we're the people. It's going to be messy. We're going to miss one another at times. Now, the enemy then guns for your heart. So the root of bitterness basically happens. The well of living waters dries up. There's no living water anymore. Ah, done feeling God's presence. Uh, nah, word's not doing much. Not in it anymore. But then it moves further. The well becomes poisonous. Bitter root. Defiling all. And then we start speaking negatively. Ah, have you heard... Yeah, do you know? Nah, I heard this. Gossip, negativity, and then it begins to defile, defile, defile others. The result is you completely disconnect. I've seen this in our wider church family. I see that the offended people, even pastors, they find one another. And they have their chats in the corner. God isn't here anymore. 
And we like, ah, oh, God's in the house. Because why? They offended. The wells become bitter. They have disconnected from God, disconnected from community. There are no living waters anymore. It doesn't matter who you are, church leader or not, just normal, awesome child of God. I see the same trend. But you need to look carefully. You need to actually evaluate yourselves like, God, please heal this well. I'm disillusioned with church. I'm disillusioned with this, whatever it might be. You see, the enemy wants to disconnect you from your people because he wants to destroy your dream. When you find your people, you find your dream. When you disconnect from your people, you lose your dream. So Genesis 39, verse 21, we pick up there with Joseph. Now, look at how amazing this is. This is mind-blowing stuff. I still don't know how he did it. He had a vision. He had a dream. He was loved by his dad. He knew he was loved, but somehow he came through every time. But it says, so he's, in, he's in jail. And then Genesis 39, 21 says, but the Lord was with Joseph. Love that. But God, life isn't fair. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Come on, let's say life isn't fair. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's say it. I'm God's favorite child. Yeah, guys, that's huge. Even when it seems it's going down, if you don't get offended, if you don't get bitter, if you don't allow bitterness to come into your well, you will see God move on your behalf. That's how it works. That is how it works. And it says there, and he showed him mercy. Isn't that amazing? And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Again, favor with the upward relationship. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. But you can see Joseph didn't get bitter. He didn't disconnect from God. And so favor was there, and he could do what needed to be done. And that opened the door. That boss opened the door for his connection with his ticket to promotion. You need to get this. Because we, we don't walk by faith. We walk by sight. Oh, it looks bad. It must be bad. Maybe God's bad. I don't know. The longer I'm walking with God, the more I realize God is good. God is faithful. God is the healer, the deliverer, the protector, the provider. He is, even when I don't see anything, I know He is. And if I hold on, if I stay on track, I'm going to see it. Amen. And as that scripture, one scripture says, surely I would have given up hope unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. God is more amazing than you can imagine, and He's more committed to you than you can imagine. He will, he will chase down. He will go up every mountain. He will chase out every darkness. He wants, to, he wants to bless you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to heal you from the inside out. But He needs you to believe. He needs you to trust in Him. He needs you to position yourself in a place so that He can get to that well, to the roots of that well. So come on, let's clean up this. Let's, let's heal your heart. Let's heal your spirit. Come on. 
I'm seeing this, I'm seeing this. This is the, the weirdest thing for me when I see this amongst mature believers who are supposed to be mature, but they have no kingdom mindset. What do you mean? So somebody treated you badly. So what? That's life. And God's going to use it to make you more like Jesus. But he's with you. Come on, do you, do you really? It's, 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 it's horrific, the levels of unbelief that we succumb to. <laughs> so you're saying these people have the power to determine your destiny. They don't. God determines. Unless you get bitter. Unless you get offended and stay offended. You disconnect. But if you stay connected, the same will happen to you as with with Joseph, this is so powerful. Hallelujah. Come on, let's say it. Life isn't fair. Hallelujah. Amen. God will give you what Jesus deserves. I love that. But then this is the challenge when it comes to the upward relationships, the authorities in our lives, whether it be your boss, church leadership. They, this, we, 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 we don't understand how to relate to authority. In our culture, it is called being intellectual and even being cool when you're rebellious and nah, yeah, I told that boss to go jump, you know, but you're missing the kingdom reality. You're missing out on the blessings that God wants to pour out upon you. So look at this example, 1 Samuel 1 verse 12 to 18. This is Hannah's story. This is Samuel, the prophet, his mom. She couldn't um, receive a child and the other, there were two wives and the other one had a lot of children, and she was really tormenting this one. She was so freaked out. You know, if you don't have a child, especially in that era, it is very shameful. And so she went to the temple to pray. And it says, and as she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her. Now, Eli is the high priest. He's the man of God with a power for the hour. You know, he's the man. And seeing her lips moving, but hearing no sound, he thought she had been drinking. Call yourself a man of God. And then he says, must you come here drunk? He demanded, throw away your wine, woman. Your. Eh? So you're coming to the temple to pray. You're going through all hell. You're desperate for answers from God. You're coming to pray. You're crying out to God. Then the pastor comes and rips this nonsense. Drunk woman, lossy vein, man. <laughs> Lossom. Uh, what would our response be? Call yourself a pastor. <laughs> I am over this church, tears. I am walking. Claw. Shocking. But no. What is her response? She responds with an understanding of authority, delegated authority from God to people. So she responds with honor, not necessarily towards the man, but to God. When she honored him, she honored God. And then says, oh no, sir, she replied, I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I'm very discouraged and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I'm a wicked woman. For <laughs> he thought she's a wicked woman. For I've been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. And then Eli said, in that case, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you've asked of him. And she said, oh, thank you, sir. She exclaimed and she went back 
and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. But that was her moment. If she had been offended, she would have missed out on the man saying, may God grant your request. Now, and we're not saying now only pastors can grant requests or anything like that. Don't make a doctrine out of that. The point being is she honored authority even when they were wrong or ungodly and yet received a blessing from God. You see, it's counterintuitive. But this is how the kingdom of God is designed. Your eyes are upon the Lord, not upon people. doesn't matter what people do. My eyes are upon God, but I'm going to honor the delegate authority. 1 Peter 2, verse 17. It says, honor all people. In other words, value people. Our dreams must include people, impacting the lives of people. They says, love the brotherhood. Love the church community. Love your brothers and sisters in Christ. They says, fear God. In other words, have a holy reverence for how God structures the kingdom in terms of authority and leadership. Then he says, and honor the king. Now, what's crazy about this, honor the king. This guy was Emperor Nero. He was speaking about Emperor Nero. He says, somebody quoting somebody, one of the most despicable manifestations of human flesh ever to disgrace the planet. One of the most despicable manifestations of human flesh ever to disgrace the planet. And Peter says, honor the man for his position and authority in God's greater scheme of things. Powerful. If you understand this, doors will be open. Authorities open doors for us. Many a man, many a woman have been offended with bosses and leaders and disconnected themselves from having a door open for them to see the kingdom of God come. So now that's the upward one. Just quickly want to read this verse, ending off. Genesis 40, verses 1 to 6. Again, back to Joseph. So now he has been granted space to move. Then it says in, in the prison, It came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them. He served them. So they were in custody for a while. Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, had a dream. Both of them, each man's dream in one night, and each man's dream with his own interpretation. You see, God was moving on behalf of Joseph. So he's planting dreams in these people's hearts and minds. And then verse 6, And Joseph came into them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. You know why this is powerful? You can see, if you were a bitter, disillusioned, offended person, and you are serving with a bad attitude, I'm going to serve, but I don't want to, if that, if that was Joseph, he would come in, he would look at their sad faces and say, finally, someone has joined me. Misery loves company. I'm so happy that they are unhappy. You know, if you, were, if you were going through a whole thing, you know, you would, you would tell these guys, you know, you think you have issues? I have issues. I had a loving family. I was my dad's favorite son. My, all my brothers, they turned against me and they hated me and I went into the pit and then I was a slave and then I had this freaking woman on my, wanting to mess with me and then I was 
I'm innocent and I'm in jail and so sort out your own issues, okay? I'm going to sit in that corner of the jail and I'm going to do a pity party, the biggest this world has ever seen. Doot, doot. <laughs> One man pity party. But he doesn't. He's shifted. There's living waters in that well. He comes in his other's focus. He comes and says, guys, what's, what's wrong? Why are, you, why are you sad? Let me help you. Then he interprets the dream for them. And then about two years later, another two years of, whoo. <laughs> and then he gets promoted to the right hand of Pharaoh. So I want to give you just two keys, practical ways of is one of the things you need to focus on your outward relationships in terms of outflow. So the key number one is when you're going through a difficult season, it's your responsibility to tell somebody it's going tough. Shoot up a flare. If you're in your little boat on the ocean, engines cut, you're drifting away from shore, shoot the flare. But what do we do sometimes? No one cares. No one loves me. Well, no one knows. Shoot up the flare and say, hey, I am battling over here. Please help now. ASAP. Don't wait until you've gone over the edge. Shoot up a flare. That's number one. Key number two. Minister to others at all times. What, what, what happens when we're going through a difficult season? We, we turn inward. We isolate ourselves. We feel sorry for ourselves. And we, 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 we disconnect ourselves from ministering to others, praying for others, caring about others, helping others, because we now everything is me focused. The quickest way to reconnect with God and community is to start serving, loving somebody else. And there's a hundred different ways you can do that. That's one of the keys. This is how you break out. This is how you reconnect. You get those wells of living waters flowing again. Amen. So if you want to Stay connected. If you want to see your God dream come to pass, you need to focus on your upward relationships and outward relationships. No pity parties allowed in this church. Amen. Come on, let's say it. No pity parties allowed in this church. Because it doesn't work. And it's lonely. Okay? So, so, so you, need to, you need to have a kingdom mindset where you refocus, reposition yourself. Even if a, a leader, even if a boss is ugly with you or un, just wrong, if it's not your job to keep someone accountable, don't do it. Hand it over to Jesus. That's number one. Number two, give of yourself. Get others focused and you'll find yourself being healed so quickly. Amen. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.